Earlier, Mary and Rachel read for us all the verses that they read came from the same chapter, came from John chapter 12. And John chapter 12 tells us the story of when Jesus came to town that morning. But then, right after it tells us that Jesus came to town, they did the palm branches, it says that the disciples didn't understand all of that until Jesus had been glorified and then they remembered they, they didn't get the point for Palm Sunday right off until after he had died. And then it started to make sense when they put it together with the rest of the prophecies, they were able to, to make it make sense. Well, John 12 not only says that he entered the Jerusalem that day and it talks about the disciples' reaction to that. But then it goes on to say that not, not long after the, the discussion with the disciples, there were some Greeks in town. And the Greeks asked some of the disciples, we'd like to see Jesus. Could you set up a connection for us where we could have a, a, a talk with Jesus? And when Jesus heard that these folks wanted to visit with him, he had a very interesting reaction. His statement was, now is the time. Throughout the Gospels, people would talk to Jesus about his purpose and, and why he had come and what he was doing. And, and over and over, he would say, now is not the time. Now, the, the time has not yet come. But it was after some Greeks said, we want to find out more. We want to be included. Jesus said, now's the time. Why? Because until that moment, God had been dealing with God's people. Now, the rest of the world was going to be invited into what was about to happen. So John 12, parade on Sunday morning. Messiah has come. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yay. The disciples start to think, now what in the world was that all about? And it's not, they don't get it until after he's crucified and they look back. And after they start thinking about these things, the Greeks come up and say, hey, we want to be a part of what's going on. And Jesus says, that proves that now is the time. And it is then that he says, John 12, 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to me. The time had come. He even goes so far as to say that now the time is at hand. It's time for judgment. It's time for, for Satan and his powers to, to lose. And it's time for me to go to the cross. We find that specifically in that great chapter 12, beginning at verse 31. Let me just review it for you. 
beginning at verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. It just, it, it just, I think, is important this morning that we see that all of this happened based on the way John wrote chapter 12. All of this happened on the same day. Yes, there was a parade in the morning. Yes, he got to come and everybody was saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, here he is. But it was that very same day that he said, and when I die... You see, the reason for the parade was the the passion. The reason for the crowd was the crucifixion. The journey that day was, was not really so that he could hear all the accolades and hear the praise, although he deserved every bit of it. The purpose of the journey was to get him to Calvary, to the cross. And so he says, the time has come. And guys, I want you to know that when this happens, when I die on that cross, I'm going to draw everyone, Greeks, Gentiles, Jews alike. I'm going to draw them to myself. The Archbishop of Paris once told a story about three irreverent, profane teenage boys had nothing to do with God and made a mockery of the church. They were standing around trying to look for trouble and they came up with this bright idea, let's let's go into the church and let's just make a bogus confession. Wouldn't that be funny just to make stuff up to see what the priest said? And so one of them was kind of elected, chosen to do that. They went into the church and he went into the confessional, made up all this kind of stuff. Doesn't matter what he said because it wasn't true anyway, just made up stuff. What he didn't know was the priest had overheard them talking. And the priest knew that this was bogus. And yet the priest said, I've heard your confession. And as you know, after confession, there's always penance. So what I want you to do now is I want you to go out into the sanctuary. I want you to walk up to the crucifix. I want you to look at Jesus on the cross. And I want you to look into his face. And I want you to say to him, all this you did for me and I don't care. And I want you to say that three times. Well, the kid thought he had completed his task and wouldn't it be fun to go outside and laugh with his buddies. And so he, he left the confessional and went outside and, and, you know, high five, ha ha, I did it, isn't this fun? And then his buddies got him. His buddies said, no, you haven't completed the bet yet, you know, because every time there's a confession, there's a penance. You got to do the, whatever the penance was. So the kid goes back into the sanctuary. He goes up to the crucifix. He looks into the face of Jesus. And he says, all this you did for me. And and he couldn't finish. 
The Archbishop of Paris finished his story that day by saying, that teenage boy was me. There is something that happens to an individual who is willing to look at Christ on the cross. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is that it reminds us of Jesus on the cross. It's a picture that, that calls us again to be changed by Him as we look at Jesus on the cross. All this you did for me. It shouldn't surprise us that there is that kind of a change that happens because Jesus told us it would be that way. He said, and I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. You say, well, he said lifted up. That doesn't mean crucifixion. Well, it does because of the next verse. Did you hear that when we read it through together? That he said this to show in what way he was going to die? He meant it literally, when my body is lifted up off of the ground and it's placed on that pole, when I am literally, physically lifted up from the earth, I'm going to become the strongest magnet that ever was. I will draw all people to myself. What's interesting is this is not the first time he said this. It's also recorded for us at close to the beginning of John's gospel. How many of you ever heard of John 3.16? You know John 3.16? For God so loved the world, he, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. You can rattle it off as fast as I can. But have you ever stopped to wonder, what is the for, therefore? For God so loved the world. Why start such a powerful verse with, what is that, a preposition? Why start with four? Because in order to fully appreciate verse 16, you really, really need to be a familiar with verses 14 and 15 that lead into for God so loved the world. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Say what? You go to the Old Testament and you find that often throughout the, the early experience of Israel's escape from Egypt and their wanderings through the wilderness, they would often turn against Moses and Aaron. They would complain against God. They didn't like where they were and couldn't understand the greatness of where they were going. And it was one of those times that they complained that that God said, okay, folks, you got to remember who's God. And to help you remember who's God, I'm going to send these snakes among you. And as the snakes came among the people, when a snake bit you, you died. And the more they complain, the more snakes and the more people are dropping dead. And finally, they come to Moses. They say, Moses, help us out of this thing. 
So Moses prays and is told to put a bronze snake on the top of a pole and hold that pole up high. And then if anybody got bit by a snake, all they had to do was look up to the snake on the pole and they would live. And Jesus then says, just like Moses lifted the snake in the wilderness and when dead people looked, or people who were going to die, when dying people looked at the snake, they lived. He said, that is what's going to happen when I'm lifted up. People who are dying will live. And so when he enters on Palm Sunday, enters Jerusalem, headed to the cross, he says, guys, when I'm lifted up, like I told you a long time ago about the snake being lifted, when that happens to me, guys, I will draw all people to myself. It's interesting that only Jesus could get by with saying something like that. Nobody else could have said, when you lift me up off the earth, I'll draw all people to me. Anybody else had said that, they either would have been a lunatic or a liar, crazy, or incredibly arrogant. Confucius couldn't have said it. Muhammad couldn't have said it. Jesus is the only one who could say, because he was the Lamb of God, the Son of God who came to die for us, his purpose in being born was that he would die and rise again. The only one who could say, when I'm lifted up and placed on that cross, I'll draw all people to me. Notice as well that the drawing power is in Christ and the cross. That drawing power is in Christ on the cross. You see, the cross by itself is anything but attractive. It's repulsive. It's grotesque. The cross by itself would not draw anyone. And Christ by himself, had Christ not continued to Calvary, had Christ not died on the cross, then perhaps he would be what the world says he was today, a good prophet, a good teacher, a nice guy who said good things. But no drawing power. It is when you take that repulsive cross and that Christ together that he draws all men to him. First United Methodist Church of Chicago is housed in the Chicago Temple Building. The Chicago Temple Building is a high-rise, a skyscraper in Chicago. When it was built in the 1920s, there was a cross placed at the very top. I doubt seriously that you can see the cross from your seat, but at the very top of that building, there is a cross, and this is where the the Methodist Church meets there to this day. When the building was built, that cross was the highest cross in the world. People walk by that cross every day. They walk underneath it and never think anything about it. Never captures their attention until there was that day that there was a man 
hanging from that cross up there in order to clean it. He was strapped in and had, I don't know what, all the harnesses or whatever, cleaning the cross. And, and because there was a man on that cross, people all over the street below stopped what they were doing and stared and watched. The cross on its own was not attractive, but when there was a man on the cross, it caught their attention. That just so insignificant activity of one day barely scratches the surface of the drawing power of Christ on his cross as he draws all men for all time. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul gives us a, a testimony. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen, and the, and the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now look at how he refers to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you see Jesus on the cross, when you're willing to open your eyes and to look him in the face and say, all this you did for me, you can't help but say with Paul, you loved me and gave yourself for me. The power of, that, of, of Christ on the cross is that he draws all people to himself. The power of that. He draws not just Americans. He draws people all over the world. Africans and Asians and Germans and all people. He draws not just rednecks, but even Yankees. He draws all people to himself because he died for all. 2 Corinthians 5 and 15, he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And finally notice that he simply said, he draws. He doesn't push. He doesn't force. He will not knock down the door of your heart and force his way in. Some of you have been waiting on Jesus to do something to get your attention. What are you waiting for? He's already done all that needs to be done. He's drawing. He's not going to force you in. He's not going to drag you. He's done all the work. Now, if you'll just look, Listen, he'll draw you to himself.